Dignity. Security. Freedom. Freedom. Respect. Justice. 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 Equality. Equality. Remedy and protection. Fairness. Fair time. Fairness. Right. Work. Peace. New. Men. Good day, and welcome to Human Rights Radio, hosted by Amnesty International volunteers, who are a worldwide movement of people dedicated to the promotion of human rights and the safety of all human beings. We're building a world in which every person enjoys the rights included in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and other human rights standards. Our theme song is titled "Thirty Words." The Universal Declaration of Human Rights, written and performed by REM and a collection of musicians from around the world. I'm Jim Hutchings, and with with me is co-host Gord Barnes and our special guest Ritva Gambari. Ritva came to Canada as a refugee from Burundi, and has kept in touch with the situation there. Today we'll talk about Burundi's past, what is happening now. And what may happen in the future? Welcome, Ritva and Gord. Well, welcome, well, Ritva. It's so great to have you on the program. And we're Thank enjoying we're, we're enjoying some nice weather today, which is which is good. Yes, that's oh, right. Yes, that's right. A little cool. Very good weather. <laughs> but anyway, today we're going to um, talk about a place that perhaps uh, a lot of listeners will never have heard of. And don't know anything about, so let's let's talk a little about of where Burundi is and um, and how it came to be that sort of thing. So, um, where would we? How would we tell people where Burundi is? It's in Africa. That's a good start. Yes. Um, so Burundi is in East Africa. Okay. Um, it's located in a like in a region called the Great Lakes region. Mm-hmm. And it's bordered by Rwanda in the north, mm-hmm. um, Congo, like the 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 DRC, the DRC, mm-hmm. and Tanzania. 
Tanzania. Or yes. Tan- yeah, I never. I, I never know quite how to say that, but anyway, yes. I think everyone knows what we're talking about there. So, it uh, came about as a result of, uh, I guess, the uh, the basically the, the colonists leaving, uh, independence happening, and uh, and then democracy should have happened. So, what happened? Yes, first of all, uh, you, you talked about uh, colonization. Yes. We have been colonized by Belgium, yes. and we got our independence in 1962. Okay. So since 1962 up to now, it's a, like, it's a republic. Okay. Uh, so um, just more recently, in 2015, mm-hmm. there was um, a political crisis which occurred in the country, and this was the result of the current president seeking a third term in office, which was deemed controversial mm-hmm. by the population. There were street protests that were like severely repressed. Mm-hmm. As a result of this crisis, we still have a social, economic, and political crisis in the country. Um, the way I'm presuming you've got a constitution, was the third term allowed under the constitution for uh, for the president, or was it just not addressed in the constitution? Well, it was not it was not legal. Okay. Uh, because the constitution was clear about that point, that mm-hmm. they were on, like the the president was allowed to have two terms in office. Right. But. Um, they had to just to have the court decide on that case. Right. But because we don't have judicial independence in, a, in our country, right. they, all, the, all the judges, mm-hmm. they just agreed that it was constitutional. When, sim- yeah. Yes. So some of them were against. They were, they, they were just... Uh, they spoke the truth. They say no, it's mm-hmm. it's not legal. Right. But they were repressed. So the like the president he he went ahead and everything was deemed uh, legal, and he remained in power. Okay. So uh, so basically, if you wanted to remain a judge or maybe even remain alive, if you were a judge, you had to agree with the president. Exactly. That's right. right. And did some of the judges disappear? Some of them disappeared, like they, they fled the country. One of them fled to Belgium. And we there were many people who were against that decision. Um, youth, they took to the street. They mm-hmm. demonstrated against the, the decision, political opponents, movement of women, like many, many people like just protested against that decision. Mm-hmm. But there were repression. There yeah. was a severe crackdown of the of the of the protest. Mm-hmm. And many youth have been killed. Many political opponents and leaders of civil society organization they fled the country. Yeah. And also we had many refugees mm-hmm. who fled the country in the neighboring um, countries like Rwanda, Tanzania. Kenya, Uganda, 
we had more than 400,000 refugees wow. now because of the of the of the efforts of the country and uh, neighboring countries like Uganda and Tanzania mm -hmm. some of the refugees have been um returned back home mm -hmm. so now we have around 350,000 still outside of the country in refugee camp mm -hmm. and we have internally displaced people more mm -hmm. than 150,000 internally displaced people and some of them were displaced since 1993 when we had our, our uh, um, like uh, previous crisis mm -hmm. yes and I'm just curious like as far as the president is concerned is this kind of um, uh, what we would call nepotism? Like, is it all family members in the government, that type of thing? Or or is it tribal? Or, uh, like, what sort of group is in power? Okay. Um, so, first of all, I, I would have to talk about history a little bit. Okay. <laughs> because to, to understand the current context, you have to go back um in the history, in the history, and just talk about the beginning of the of the crisis. Mm -hmm. So, in 1962, we got our independence, but since 1962 to 1993, uh, Burundi has went through um, different cycles of political and mm -hmm. ethnic violence. The um, the current president, he's because we have a, a similar social demographic as Rwanda, so we have three ethnies: we mm -hmm. have Hutu, Tutsi, and Twa. Mm -hmm. So the current president, he's a he's a Hutu. And in in nineteen so nineteen ninety three, mm -hmm. we had a genocide of Tutsi mainly, and moderate Hutu who have been killed. But before nineteen ninety three, we had a Tutsi ruling in place so like from 1993 to 2005 when there was a reconciliation between the different political opponents we had 12 years of civil war and the rebels like the those who were against the 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 incumbent president on that time mm -hmm. they were Hutu. So the current president he 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 came like he he came originally from that rubber movement from all these years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Um I'm just wondering too whether this is kind of a a roundabout sort of result of having the the Belgian really brutal rule in the Belgian Congo for all those years and uh, I'm just thinking the way they left perhaps didn't really uh, make it easy for democratic institutions to take root and be created properly and and, uh, and exist meaningfully in Burundi after they left. Would that be fair? I, I, I would say it's totally fair. Mm -hmm. And also, I think there was um, kind of... Um, that tra The transition was difficult, mm -hmm. but also if we, if we really 
try to understand the impact of decolonization. The, um, like the 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 Belgian, the Belgian, like the the Belgian, they tried to just to create those divides ah. beforehand. Yes. Okay. Like just um, trying to to really divide the mm-hmm. the social um, constitution, like from just the ethnic features that we had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, oh, this is a Tutsi because he's raising cows and he's tall and he has that posture which is totally different from a Hutu mm-hmm. who is small and um, mainly uh, walks the land. They, are, they were farmers. Okay. Hutu. Yeah. So they, they try to, 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 to have that divide. Mm-hmm. And historically, the... The Hutu, they like they developed that uh, spirit that they were oppressed. Oh, okay, right. And really, this set the ground for generational issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the first place, the political crisis that occurred in 2015 was mainly political. Right. But because our president, um, uh, as many other presidents, uh, like in many countries, just to remain in power, they try to divide, mm-hmm. to divide the population, right around like along sectarian um, lines or anything else, just to have that cling into power. I, I have to say, we see that in <laughs> modern countries. Yes, you know, it's it's. Not, yeah, you know, you know, not not just countries like Burundi. Yes, sort of a divide and conquer kind of strategy. Exactly. Yeah. But if you if you consider the context of uh, of uh, gen- like that genocidal uh, ideology that mm-hmm. that is in the region, considering Rwanda, considering Burundi, what happened in 1993 and in 1972, mm-hmm. so this becomes very deadly. It's not a kind of here you can say oh we have a democratic institutions mm-hmm. we have we have strong institutions then when, even though you have you can have a leader who divides people but still you you have those strongholds mm-hmm. that protects you from that um from the country just to 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 be torn apart right for us we don't have that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this becomes very very scary Right. Well, and of course, in our own countries and in the states, we have incidents anyway, regardless of the uh, of the institutions that we have in place. Yeah. You still have uh, individuals that will, for whatever reason, decide they they're going to uh, uh, commit a violent act against whoever they think their enemy is, or or whatever, and. Uh, it's it's beyond what most of us think is possible in terms of yes. common sense and common mm-hmm. decency and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. But it happens. But at least the power structure, the powers that be, uh, will denounce these things that are mm-hmm. happening. And in Burundi, that's not happening. Yes. To any extent. 
like the international community, they tried to intervene in the in the conflicts mm-hmm. more than one time. Uh, y- the United Nations released reports on report and report and report. Mm-hmm. They had they released resolutions. Uh, they put in place um, like an independent um, commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in charge of the investigations of the crimes that happened since 1962. Mm-hmm. But most recently, they put in place another commission of inquiry for the crimes that occurred from 2015 to 2017. Mm-hmm. And there is also, um, as a result of that investigation, the the international um, international court. Um, like they they launched the the investigation against the officials mm-hmm. because the, m- the the main responsible of the of the crisis of the violation that are happening right now are state authorities. So that's the president, mm-hmm. the government officials, and they have a private militia because the, there is a members of the of the ruling party mm-hmm. the youth wing of the ruling party so they have members and they use them as the as the tools the mm-hmm. henchmen to commit all the crimes that are happening in the country right now does uh, you have a parliament there do you not or is it a what sort of assembly is it yes it's yeah. a parliament okay and yeah. Do they have any power, or uh, do they just rubber stamp what the president puts in front of them? They don't have any power. Ah. Because I told you, all the all the opponents, the political opponents, they had to flee the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't be all. You can't speak against the violations mm-hmm. which are happening. Right. And remain in the country. You 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 either have to flee or you. You accept that you you will be killed. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't. They they don't stay in the country, right? So, if you're in parliament and if you spoke against the government, then your life was in danger, and the only way that you could survive would be not to be uh, sort of complain or or uh, or speak about the abuses of power, and so in that case. Having a parliament really isn't worth much. It does not. Yeah. Yeah. We have um, currently we have two political opponents, like the um, the member, the leader of one of the of the main mm-hmm. political party, which are in opposition. We have two of them, but one of them, like the members, are regularly killed or disa- they just disappear. So, I would say that the presence and the opposition does not have any meaning. Mm-hmm. It's not meaningful at all. Mm-hmm. Those who can really speak against the, the crimes, what is happening, are outside of the country. I think may know um, through the, the report of Amnesty, he, he could say something about that. Well, Amnesty International has documented a lot about the imprisonment of people who are um, 
opposition leaders, people who have, you know, even run radio stations and tried <laughs> to uh, uh, provide some free expression and dialogue in, in the country. Um, I was reading about a uh, number of people who had been detained and, and uh, tortured in the Amnesty International report, and it's really a, a difficult circumstance in terms of what people are facing there. Um, and I, I, and Ritva, when you were talking earlier as well about the number, the staggering number of people who are refugees who have had to leave the country, and also the people who are now internally displaced, it's just mm-hmm. a, a really serious crisis. And uh, you know, I was reading where. Just last fall, I believe in October, mm-hmm. um, the Council of Ministers have now uh, uh, agreed to uh, amendments that will allow uh, two more seven-year terms by the current president, if I understand it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, serious stuff in terms of um, a continuation of the same kind of um, conflict within the country. And uh, um, because of the power struggle, I guess, if that's the correct way of describing it. Yes, but, uh, yes. Um, I guess the, the other piece around this is what what is what has this meant for people in terms of the economy? And you, you talked about large numbers of people who are essentially farming in the country. Mm-hmm. Is that the key thing in terms of the economy? And has it really displaced people's um, you know, obviously, it's displaced people who are refugees and mm-hmm. internally displaced. But it, what has it meant for other people in the country in terms of the economy? Well, it's it's a serious crisis. We 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 have more than one half a million, one million and five hundred thousand people who face um, severe food insecurity because people who were who used to farm because our economy was mainly based on agriculture and there was a crisis because of this crisis uh, the the economy is not going well and also the current president is asking people to fund themselves the elections so now because you you can imagine like the situation, the economic situation is stalling, and people are forced to pay for the elections, and all the refugees who were providing for the poor, like contributing to the economy, of course. So it's a serious situation. It's a serious humanitarian crisis. And now I understand as well. Uh on top of all of that, there's a significant concern with respect to malaria in the country. Yes, that's right. Yeah, this is really this is cyclical. Uh, every year we have this kind of crisis of, of malaria, but also there are many issues like on the ground, like in health, the health system. The legal system and all the institutions like recently the, we had kids who were put in jail because they scrib- scribbled on the pictures of the president yeah. thank you <laughs> you heard about that and now they are forced to learn how to vote 
and they are they don't even have the age to vote. You were talking about uh, people who are human rights offenders who have been de- detained, and one of the more prominent ones that is referred to in the Amnesty International mm-hmm. reports is Jermaine uh, Rukuki. Jermaine Rukuki, yeah, who, yeah. who who was killed. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize that they they had talked about him being detained uh, and sentenced for three two years. Oh yeah, I f- yes, more than thirty years. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, I yeah I was referring to someone else. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know that Amnesty has has been calling for his release mm-hmm. since his release his arrest in July of two thousand seventeen. Um. But, you know, as you say, there are other people who are human rights defenders who have been killed, for sure. Yes. Documented in the Amnesty International reports as well. Yes. There's, there's a case here that's uh, mentioned that by the UN uh, Commission of Inquir- Inquiry on Burundi, talking about, about uh, former senator and businessman uh, Oscar uh, Netasano. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm went missing with two of his employees on the 20th of April. Mm-hmm. After meeting a man, meeting a man said to work for the SNR. What's the SNR? It's the security oh, yeah. um, forces. Right. Yeah. And apparently, uh, witnesses told the commission that he received threats from state officials mm-hmm. in connection with a contract he was negotiating with the UN to rent office space. One state official. Uh, was said to have threatened him with death if he refused to split the proceeds. So it just kind of sounds like kind of a criminal, what we would call a shakedown type kind of exercise where somebody just says, give me money or bad things will happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that That's what happened to... Like to, to many people, you, you, you don't need to be a political uh, opponent mm-hmm. to, to receive threats or to be like... Just threatened in your own uh, for your own security or your own living, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's really normal in the country. Right, right. They just normalize the crimes. Uh, well, earlier, uh, Ritva, we asked you if you might provide some music for us from Burundi. So, and I understand you brought something. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh yes, it's a group called uh, Lion Story. Lion Story. And yeah, the now they are refugees in Rwanda. Oh, okay. And they have very good music. She's mm-hmm. like um, based on reggae mm-hmm. tones. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they're an interesting band, and we're going to we're going to listen to them here now. Mm-hmm. Ye, Kwabi Korea Visira Ye, 
And that was a really interesting bit of music, Gord. I mean, I like that that kind of uh, melody and, and rhythm. I like African music generally. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Thank you for mm-hmm. suggesting that, Rifa. It's really appreciated. And, you know, I was thinking it would be worth having a bit of a discussion of what's happened most recently in terms of um, the decision to um, prohibit the uh, BBC from operating in, uh, in Burundi and what that means for the international community and also people in Burundi itself. Many people who are exiles are, are very concerned about what's going on in the country. And in terms of reporting, uh, you know, on human rights issues, but just uh, daily life in uh, Burundi must be very significant to have that kind of decision made. So how, how would you find out, like now, how do you find out what's going on in Burundi? Now it's very difficult to report, as God said. Um, not only those radio have been um, banned, but we ha- also have the many NGOs, mm-hmm. non-profit organizations, international and local, that that were also banned by the current government. And those who were um, allowed to continue to work, they have to abide to by s- certain rules. And one of them, which is really difficult for, for NGOs to follow, they have to apply the ethnic quota, which were set in the, which are set out in the Arusha Accord. So at the Arusha Agreement, um, which really helped the crisis of 1993 to to be like resolved, mm-hmm. and those ethnic quota uh, state that 60% of the workforce has to be from the ethnic Hutu, mm-hmm. and 40% they have to be Tutsi. So NGOs for them it's really difficult to follow that rule because uh, simply because it's discriminatory. It's, it's just it's not how things should be. They should not ask the employees if they are Hutu or Tutsi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have that uh, pattern of the government who tries to um, just to divide the the population along ethnic lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And another thing is that the um, like the High Commission of the of Human Rights, the office which was in Burundi since the 1990s mm-hmm. has been recently closed forced to close because the country does not the government does not want that oversight from the United Nations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes so it's, it's very difficult for, for NGOs but also from um, like for all the for the international community and also for human rights defenders to know exactly the numbers mm-hmm. of people who have been killed, of people who disappeared, and also women who who were who were victims of the sexual violence mm-hmm. because this is one of the crime also which is used as a weapon by by the government and mm-hmm. also the private militia of the government. Does the United Nations uh, still have much of a presence in Burundi or uh, 
Hmm. We were talking about them trying to uh, lease some space. It, it sounded like they're still there, but um, how much freedom do they have to go and investigate things? They don't have any freedom now to investigate because the government does not does not have the will to let them uh, get in, and for a very good reason because mm-hmm. they they are responsible for all the of all the crimes. Mm-hmm. So they they do not need that presence of the UN, mm-hmm. and they will do whatever they can to affirm that everything is going well, mm-hmm. and they don't need UN. Right. In Burundi. So in the most recent resolution, like the the, the UN, they just handed over the, the case of Burundi to the African Union. Ah. So now the we have uh, independent in independent like observers so from the mm-hmm. African, African Union. Union. Yeah. And how effective is that? How effective? Uh, you would think that the, the African Union members mm-hmm. want to have uh, stable democratic countries in the Union, in Africa, mm-hmm. and uh, they would be doing their best to try to make that happen. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. Hmm. That's not the case because, um, like, two two of the president who who now were um, handed over, like, assigned that. Um, a reconciliation of the of the current uh, opponents mm-hmm. in that crisis. Right. We have mainly the president of Uganda, mm-hmm. who has been in power for more than two decades. Mm-hmm. So we have that kind of pattern of African leaders who mm-hmm. who remain in power. So we have that kind of uh, negative um, uh, kind of complicity. You know, uh, how can you? Are you going to speak against what is happening if mm-hmm. yourself you you have been doing the same thing for years and years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for them to just um, have that firm um, firm stand in that crisis. Mm-hmm. And I'm also wondering too. Um, what sort of products does Burundi produce that it would export internationally? Because you, if if you do have, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you do, then uh, the people that you're exporting to, uh, you would think they should be concerned about the state of human rights from the p- people that they're doing business with. For example, and, and I'm I'm really... Uh, just making suppositions here, do they have mines in Burundi? We have mines, um, gold, mm-hmm. and also yeah, uh, some resources, but mm-hmm. we don't have too much. Right. And this, I believe, this is one of the of the of the like the reason why the crisis in Burundi does not attract attention mm-hmm. because we don't have anything to offer. You you can remember the case of Libya and other countries, which like received that international attention. Like the international community, they tried, but the like they just. I think the approach that they used was not effective, mm-hmm. because they just 
assumed the UN just assumed that the Burundi would comply to the to the different reports and mm -hmm. just uh, have the political will to change things. But when you have a president which which is um, like suppressing the mm -hmm. his own population, w what can you expect as a positive move mm -hmm. from that from that government? Mm -hmm. So there's there's not that much international trade going on between Burundi and other nations? There is no too much. Mm -hmm. Like the the uh, like the European Union mm -hmm. the they cut the ad. That's that's the EU is the main um donor for Burundi. Mm -hmm. And more than fifty percent of the fifty percent of the budget is international ad. Oh, okay. So they cut the ad. Um, Burundi has still have some like commercial um, relations with China oh, and yes. and the and Russia. Mm -hmm. and of course, those two countries are always interested in improving their influence in other parts of the world. So, uh, I guess we could count on them being active in places like Burundi. Exactly, but that's the, that's the, those countries. They don't uh, really um, pay any attention to human rights mm -hmm. violations. No, exactly. Like for them, it does not mean anything, mm -hmm. and that's why the case of Burundi has been uh, stalling for for many years mm -hmm. in the Security Council, because when it comes to 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 the like annual meeting mm -hmm. that they have, the yearly meeting they have. For Burundi, like about Burundi, like Russia does always uh, oppose the veto against the, deci the decisions, like uh, human rights organizations and also um, human rights defenders. They have been calling for many years for the R2P, for the responsibility to protect, mm -hmm. and also for the deployment of police forces in the country mm -hmm. to protect. The, the population, sure. but this has been always opposed, and there is every time that this situation, this discussion, is put ahead in the Security Council, there there is those countries like Russia right. that opposes his veto. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder, in terms of the proximity to Rwanda and the relationship and the history. Mm -hmm. In terms of when things are deteriorating or improving in Rwanda, do people notice it in Burundi, or how do, how what how would you characterize that whole piece of um, the Burundi and Rwanda relationship in terms of human rights issues? So the the relation is very bad between Burundi and Rwanda for simple reason because like the the former um, rebels that um, created the genocide in Rwanda, the now most of them are in Burundi, mm. because the the current president Peter Nkurunziza he he kind of enrolled them in his private militia. 
Mm. And there are reports from the UN that talked about that, mm. that talked about the, the fact that those rebels, the um, Hirahamri, that's how they, they were called, there are many Hirahamri in Burundi. Mm. And if you observe the like the the pattern of the crimes that happen now, you can see that there there is a um, kind of uh, horrendous crimes that occurred since 2015, and that there is a change that happened since those um, sections have been uh, like involved mm-hmm. in our crisis, mm. and the. Like Nkurunziza is trying to use those forces, but also the security, like the official army, and his private militia to attack Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So we have that kind of uh, very negative influence from Bur- from Burundi to Rwanda, and because also Congo is not stable. Mm. is a really fragile uh, state they just come and go like there are all these um, factions just mm-hmm. come and go between those three countries and Tanzania is there how would you characterize the situation in Tan- Tanzania just uh, Tanzania is basically setting aside it's the the government of Burundi mm. Because the refugees from Duta um, refugee camp are regularly uh, persecuted really? by yeah. police forces. They are forced to go back home, but they don't have they they don't want to go back, mm-hmm. and which is normal because there is no peace yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we have all these. Influences. I'm just curious, um, the uh, what sort of demographics do you have there now? Is it like is it a, mostly a young population, and uh, are they uh, are they still basically people who, if they had if they had the chance, they could live off the land, like they're farmers, or are they urban? What what uh, sort of people? What what's the diaspora look like? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, the diaspora is really mixed. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, for refugees, we have more than 60% are made of like young people. Mm-hmm. We have a very young population. Very young population, even like we in the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, very young population. Is the country itself sort of noticeably depopulated? Um, like, is <laughs> are the streets very quiet type of thing, or what sort of activity is going on there? Is is there any farming possible? Um, oh what yes. Sort of, yeah. Yes, yes. Like the people still farm. Mm-hmm. Like everything is going like in the normal state, like economy. But the economy is, is stalling because of the of the current situation. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the the like really, the issue is that people live in fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People live in fear. There is a term in in French like uh, uh, "prison ouverte," mm-hmm. like the like they live in prison. It's a um, like open prison. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because you 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 know that you you can't really be outspoken and staying in the country mm-hmm. and there is those negative um influence from from the government and the fact that people are forced to to contribute to the elections to pay I, they don't receive too much mm-hmm. like in terms of salary wages right so if you are living there it would be difficult to see much of a future there beyond what already exists which is not very not very uh, satisfying that's right mm-hmm. but people are very resilient and they they try to to live day mm-hmm. by day and also people who are outside of the country they are trying to rebuild their lives especially refugees from the refugee camp in Rwanda and also members of the diaspora mm-hmm. they are they are helping and doing great things mm-hmm. trying to to help the refugees we have different like um human rights defenders who are very active we have movement of women right like uh, for instance the the movement of um uh, girls women and girls for mm-hmm. peace and security in burundi that sh- the they're trying to to do the best to speak out to gas the violations every monday they release a message like um for they call it dark mondays mm-hmm. yeah so you're st- still seeing a positive future but it may be sometime sometime from now um you you've got people working on the outside to try to make changes on the inside um do you think it's possible for the people in power to have a change of heart is it possible to uh th- there must be some people that don't like the situation as it currently exists and want to change it like for example judges who they're there because they've managed to coexist with the current government but they don't like the way the way it is and would like to see it change for the better Yes, exactly. Um because the main issue is the um, is the fact that we don't have any rule of law, mm-hmm. no. We don't have the any judicial independence. And since 1965, mm-hmm. 1966, we have the same impunity which is going on. Right. So and it's very difficult for them to to change things mm-hmm. unless there is a political will for from leaders to mm-hmm. to change do you have a sense of how many people have uh, come from Rwanda and and Burundi both countries in recent years to Saskatchewan and Canada i know i'm kind of combining two different questions there but um certainly that there were large numbers of people came many years ago but in recent years do you have a sense of 
I don't have the numbers, but I know since 2015, many people came in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it will be interesting to check the numbers. But also, um, Canada contributed to to HCR. Right. From 2015 to 2017, they, they have donated more than 13 million mm. to, to, help, the UN. to help address the, the refugee crisis. To the UN Human Rights? To the UNHCR. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And from your perspective, it, you know, I, I, I think all of us would be very concerned uh about what's going on in Burundi, but from what your perspective, is there a message about why the international community and people who are listening to this program should really care about what's going on in the country in terms of the human rights crisis? Yes, they should. They should care because, like, um, because of globalization, you can't say that a crisis can be only contained in one country. This this is not realistic at all. We we know what happened with Syria. We know what is still happening in many countries. We were talking about the refugees. So refugees now, um, those who have been resettled a um, few years ago, were refugees who fled the crisis in 1972 in, in Burundi. So they have been resettled now after 30 or 20 years. Wow. Wow. So and they've been in camps that long, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And they have been resettled in Canada. Some of them, some of them in other countries too. Mm. But y you can see the like the, the the ripple effect in other countries. You you can think, oh, uh, Burundi is very far. I don't care about that crisis. There are many crises in the world. That's true. Mm -hmm. But like the crisis happening in one country does affect other countries. I think I think with modern communications and modern means of travel, mm -hmm. uh, things like what are happening in Burundi do affect us all. And uh, for that reason, I think we all have to be concerned and to try to encourage our own governments to uh, try to change things, you know, for the better. And yes. uh, because it's going to, in the long run. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll improve the lives of everyone on the planet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And we talked about the contribution of Canada towards the the crisis. I mean, those are taxpayers' money that could be used for something else, like here in Canada. And also, um, I talked about the like the, the ripple effect on Rwanda and Congo and mm -hmm. Tanzania. So this is the country which is affecting other countries in the region and if the, the whole East African region is is just um, uh, and crisis and the conflict this will really result in consequences mm -hmm. that will be far far mm -hmm. than what you can imagine mm -hmm. and I suppose uh, if, if anything do you think it would be reasonable for people listening right now to, for example, write to their own MPs and ask them to take note of what's happening in places like Burundi and help the people there. 
because uh, one of the one of the things we're grappling with now in mm-hmm. Western countries is a huge influx influx of, of refugees from all over the world. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it would be better mm-hmm. for us to do our best to help the situations that these people are coming from. Yes. And then they wouldn't want to leave their homes. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, unless anybody else has something they would like to add. I'd just like to say this has been a really <laughs> interesting program. Uh, I really appreciate your being here with us, uh, Rifa. This is a, an important topic. I think everybody should agree this is a huge crisis that's going on in Burundi in terms of human rights issues, and I'm glad you've taken the time to bring it to our attention. Thank you. Yes, thank you for the invitation, and <laughs> thank you for Dream Like and Gold to stress the the need that all people deserve to to live in a like free and democratic mm-hmm. country and we we all have the power and the responsibility to contribute towards that goal. Mm-hmm. Thanks again Ritva. Thank you. As we close today's human rights radio show, we hope you've enjoyed listening to and have learned something new about human rights for all people. For information on past and upcoming shows with links to human rights actions and information, go to amnestysaskatchewan.ca. Peter Benenson, the founder of Amnesty International, often said, It is better to light a candle of hope than to curse the darkness.